We uh, turn this morning to James chapter 3, reading verses 1 through 10, where James deals with the struggle we have with the tongue. James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or a mature man able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Your word this morning, a very uh, hard-hitting passage, a challenge to us today to, to really take a look at how we use our tongues, uh, using them to praise you and yet cursing men made in your likeness. Lord, you've said in your word, this, this ought not to be. So teach us, Lord. Open our hearts to receive what you would want to say to us today. Uh, show us Jesus, show us Christ, who is the answer to the, the challenges of life that we face with the use of our tongue. Uh, change us from within, Lord, that that which comes from the heart, the words that we speak, would be pleasing in your sight. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John Wesley had finished a sermon one day and there was a woman that came up to him and said, Mr. Wesley, the strings on your bow tie are much too long. They are an offense to me. You'd have to be a pretty critical woman to, to do that after the service, right? Tell me how my tie is too long. And so Wesley asked if there was someone who had a pair of scissors. And so this lady grabbed a pair of scissors and handed it to John Wesley, and he handed the scissors to the woman, and he said, um, why don't you trim it off to the length that you like? And so she took the scissors and literally cut his bow tie to the length that she liked. 
And then he said, are you sure that looks okay? And she said, yeah, that's, that's, that's much better. John Wesley says, now why don't you give me those scissors? And he said to the woman, I'm sure you wouldn't mind if I gave you a bit of correction. I don't want to be cruel, but I must tell you that your tongue is an offense to me. It's much too long. Would you please stick it out? I'd like to cut some of it off. Now, Wesley obviously didn't go through with his threat, although he maybe had wanted to. But I think he made the point, didn't he? Your tongue is much too long. We need to cut some of it off. You know, the use of the tongue must have been quite a concern to James as he writes this letter because he addresses the use of our tongue over and over. Uh, chapter 1, verse 19, he says we are to be slow to speak. Chapter 1, verse 26, he says, if we do not bridle our tongue, we deceive our own heart and our religion is worthless. Here is now the third time then he addresses the use of the tongue. And, it's, and I think it's probably the, the longest section in the New Testament that deals with the use of the tongue. And I must tell you, he's not done yet. Because if you read through the rest of James, he makes reference three more times. So in this short letter, there are six times that he's dealing with the use of the tongue. To me, that suggests that maybe that's an issue that we have to deal with. Maybe that's a struggle that we have, how we use our tongue. So what do we do about it? How do, how do, we, how do we deal with our tongues? Well, I think the first thing we need to notice is that we must understand the power of the tongue. And there are two contrasting ways that the tongue reveals its power. The tongue has great power for good. And if you think of times when, when someone has shared a good word with you, uh, something you needed to hear at, at just the right time, you know the, the power of the tongue for good, to encourage and to strengthen. Uh, James gives us a couple of illustrations of this, a tongue being used in a positive way. He, he talks about a bit in the mouth of a horse. A bit might be a small thing in comparison to the horse, but, but notice the value of that little bit. In verse 3, he says, Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. So a bit directs the horse. The horse becomes useful. We can lead the horse almost wherever we want it to go. I'm sure there's some horses that are pretty stubborn, but... Generally speaking, you put the bit in the heart, you can lead it where you want to go. Use for good. And then he uses the illustration of a rudder on a ship. He says, look also at the ships, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. And again, the point, what's the point he's making is that something small can be used for something good. And that's how it is with the tongue. Though it's a small part of our body, it can be used for great good. The tongue can bring healing where there's been hurt. The tongue can bring wisdom where there's a lack of understanding. The tongue can bring encouragement where there's despair. 
And as long as the tongue is under control, and that's the challenge, isn't it? As long as the tongue is under control, it can bring great, great blessing. As a youth, Larry Crabb had developed a stutter. And that stutter ended up humiliating him several times. He, he spoke during a, a school convocation and, and stuttered his way through and just embarrassed himself to no end. And then he uh, was in church one time and he was, was praying and he said he got his, both his words and his theology mixed up. <laughs> and he was expecting to be uh, corrected sternly. And he resolved that he was never going to speak in public again. And as he was leaving the building that day, there was an older man that came up to him and said, Larry, there's one thing that I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I am behind you 1,000%. If you can have 1,000%. And that's what he needed to hear that day. He was ready to leave that church and say, I will never speak in public again, but the right word at the right time was exactly what he needed. Oh, the tongue can be used for great good. I think of times in my life when I was discouraged and someone God used to encourage me, to give me the right word at the right time. I remember a time after I had preached a sermon. I was in college at the time. Judy and I were, I don't even know if we were married at the time or just newly married. And I felt like I had blown that sermon just terribly. And I was, we were driving back home and I'm sitting there in the car all discouraged. And, and I, I remember saying to her, I said, why on earth would God ever call me to be a pastor? I was ready to just hang it up. <laughs> and I don't remember what she said, but I'll tell you what, she had the right word at the right time. The tongue can be used for great good. And that's the challenge we have every day. Lord, use my words to encourage, to edify, to build up, to strengthen. It's so easy to use our words to tear others down, isn't it? But the tongue can be used for great good. The tongue also has power for great evil. And the longer I live, the more I see how the tongue can destroy, maybe like nothing else can. Notice the picture he gives in verse 5. He says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue, he says, is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of our life. And notice this phrase, and is set on fire by hell. Pretty strong words, right? The illustration of a fire is one that we understand very well in the community that I grew up in. And have you heard of the 1918 fire? hundred years ago. I wasn't alive then, but hundred years ago, a fire went through our community, Cloquet, and other communities as well. And it was a terrible, terrible fire. Our church building was burnt down. The fire left much of western Carleton County devastated, affecting the cities of Moose Lake and Cloquet and Kettle River. Cloquet was hit the hardest. 
It was the worst natural disaster in Minnesota history in terms of the number of casualties in a single day. 1,000 people died. 52,000 people were injured or displaced. 38 communities were destroyed. 250,000 acres were burned. Imagine that. And that day, it was $73 million worth of damage. In our day, that would equal $1.188 billion of damage. Do you know how that fire started? If you've ever read about it, it was a spark from a train north of town. And that fire came in and just demolished everything in its path. And there are stories, if you're interested, go to pinejournal.com. They're having a series of, of stories about that, that fire. It started with just a spark. <laughs> and that little spark burned up a quarter of a million acres of land. That's how the tongue works. Just think of the destruction that comes into the lives of others through a tongue that is out of control because you know what happens when a rumor starts. I'll tell you what, that spreads like fire, doesn't it? Spreads like fire. And it destroys. How much of that have we seen in this election cycle? I'll tell you, don't you get tired of, of, of turning on the TV and you see all this garbage? Spewing out... Garbage is what it is. Destroying lives. As if that's politics, huh? The tongue can destroy like a fire. How about verses 7 and 8? Like poison. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and it is full of of deadly poison. Now, isn't it interesting that the two ways that James illustrates deadly power of the tongue, that both of them point to the devil, to Satan. Verse 6, he says, the tongue is set on fire by hell, the prison of Satan. Verse 80 says that using the tongue for evil is spreading poison, much like the bite of a serpent, which is the biblical picture in Genesis of Satan. So what are we doing when we use our tongues for evil? Let's face it, we are a tool of the evil one. When we are lighting fires with our tongue, when we are spewing out poison with our tongues, what are we doing? We are a tool of the evil one who has come to seek to kill and destroy. Hard words. That's what James is is telling us. There was a story about a family that was living in a small town in, in North Dakota. The mother had not been well since the birth of her second baby, but everybody knew that here was a family that was united. The husband loved his family, loved his wife, loved his children. And and then one day there was a village gossip that said that he had been unfaithful to his wife, which was totally false. And sure enough, she heard about that. 
And one day he came home and there was no one to greet him. He walked in the house that was eerily silent because his wife had an emotional breakdown, took the lives of her two children, and then took her own life. Why? Because of the village gossip whose tongue was out of control and ended up in destruction. Oh, how we need to be careful how we use our tongues. Now, it's obvious that this warning applies to all of us because James, three times in this text, says, My brethren. Okay, that's all of us, right? But if you look at how this text begins, there is a special warning given to teachers, to preachers. In verse 1, he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. That's for me. Because I'm a teacher. A pastor teacher. And that's why when I step into this pulpit every Sunday, it's a, it's a fearful thing. Because there are sometimes I stumble in what I say. There's things I say that I wish I wouldn't have said. It's not easy to carry that responsibility of being accountable to God and being accountable for the congregation that I serve. But I will give an answer for every word that I speak. Not to cause us to say, Lord, guard my tongue. Guard my lips. Guard my mouth. That I may say what is pleasing in your sight. We need to understand the power of the tongue. The second thing we see here, we must embrace the purpose of the tongue. The Bible makes it clear that God has created us with the ability to speak that we might praise Him. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That's why we've been given a mouth, right? To praise the Lord. To use our, our lips, our tongue, our mouth to, to give honor and to give glory to Him. But we have a sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, James says we use the same tongue for two opposite purposes. He says, with it, we bless our Lord. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. When we curse men, what are are we doing? What, What does James say here? He says, with the same mouth you you bless the Lord and then you curse those who are made in His likeness. So what are we doing? Are we not in effect cursing God when we curse those who are made in His likeness? In His image? I remember being at a ball game several years ago. And I was sitting in a group of, of parents And there was one parent on one side that pointed out on the floor and said, Who is that fat kid? Guess who was on the other side of me? The father of that boy. 
You think that father took that personally? You bet he did. He said, that's my son you're talking about. Got pretty silent then, didn't it? In verse 10, James says, From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be that way. So we've come here this morning to offer praise to the Lord. We've sung songs of praise to the Lord. And that's why God has given us our tongues. So let's not walk out and use the same mouth to curse men who have been made in His likeness. The song we'll sing in closing today is, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer praise. Not for a thousand tongues to curse people all around us, but to offer praise to Him. So we need to embrace the purpose of, of the tongue. But then thirdly, we must attack the root problem of the tongue. In verse 8, James says that no man can tame the tongue It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Did you notice that? No man can tame the tongue. Not one of us can tame the tongue. Is there someone who can tame the tongue? (laughs) Is there someone who can give us victory over the use of our tongue? Is there? Yes, there is. What is impossible with man is is possible with God. And and James, he he deals with the root cause of the problem we have with the tongue. Verse 11, he says, Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? What's the answer to that? No. How about this one? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? What's the answer? No. Can a vine produce figs? What's the answer? No. Can salt water produce fresh? So what's he getting at here? What's the point he's making about the tongue? What he's telling us is that this little piece of flesh, that's not really the the problem, is it? It goes much deeper than that. What is the real problem? It's the heart, isn't it? It's the heart that is the issue. Jesus, Matthew 12, it was read this morning, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. He was not politically correct, was he? You brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Where do those words come from? They come from here, don't they? So what's the real problem? Would it help to cut off part of your tongue? Or pull it, rip it out? (laughs) No. The issue is here, isn't it? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we got heart trouble. We got heart trouble. And there's only one. There's only one person that can cleanse the heart. Only one person that can change the heart. And that's Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? 
when He is dwelling in us, when by His Spirit He is living in us, and we are filling our minds and hearts with His Word, it makes a difference in how people speak. I had a guy in my basketball team in high school, he had a foul, dirty mouth. Anything you told him, he would think of something dirty and he'd, he'd, he'd switch it around. Just, just like, like that. People in our school thought if there's anybody least likely to be a Christian, it'd be him. But guess what? The Lord changed his heart. And people joked that he lost half of his vocabulary because his heart was changed. Jesus made the difference. And that's the the change we need today. That Jesus makes the difference. We have some grandkids coming this afternoon. And I know what toy they're going to grab. Buzz Lightyear. Ever seen that toy? Buzz Lightyear. And he's got all these sayings, you know. Stuff like... uh, I am Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger. I protect the galaxy from the threat of invasion to infinity and beyond. This is an intergalactic emergency, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. And when I hear that over and over, I say to myself, is that all you can say? (laughs) Is that all you can say? Say something else, Buzz. (laughs) What's the problem? He doesn't have it programmed within him, right? He needs some change within He's a heart change. <laughs> and he illustrates the truth that that's, that's where the change comes. That's where it needs to be. And Jesus is the one that makes that change. Salt water doesn't produce fresh. Vine doesn't produce figs. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And may our hearts be filled with the love of Jesus, the Word of God, so that when we speak, It'll be praise to God and encouragement to one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with your love and your grace and your mercy and your truth that our mouths may proclaim that which edifies others and that which offers praise to you. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Our Redeemer and our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.